I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Dan from South Wales and you're listening to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, who would win in a one-on-one, no weapons allowed fight between Donald Trump and Boris Johnson? Okay, here comes the show. And remember, question everything. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast with myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor, Dame Baptiste, my producer friend, Howard Cohen, a.k.a. The Hizzer. Hello. And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we are talking everything from... We are talking everything from Dan from South Wales's question, who would win in a one-on-one fight between Donald Trump and Boris Johnson? Dane. That's a good question. That's a good great question. question. Uh, we'd love to see it as a fight to the death, I think, would be the first amendment I'd make. I would accept nothing less. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I, actually, could we do it like that bit in Batman, uh, you know, The Dark Knight, where the Joker breaks a snooker queue in half and tells one of them's going to yeah. get a job if they yeah, kill the yeah, other exactly. one? Yeah, um, exactly. Do you know what? In that part, though, do you know that? Um, Michael Jai White, who's the head of like the Black Mob, he right. doesn't actually die in the sh- in the film. Right, I think see later a bit of trivia there, but um, in this instance, I'd say it's a great question. Based on what I've seen, I think Boris Johnson's much more inclined to be the physical aggressor. Right, he'll do a lot of the groundwork because I've seen him with other opponents, such as a 12-year-old Japanese kid in a game of touch rugby. Okay, and, yeah, good point. Uh, and, and also, Donald Trump is in terrible and shape. And also, allegedly, his uh, wife. So I know yeah. Boris Johnson's all good, that kind of thing. Whereas, yeah, Donald Trump is in terrible shape. But then at the same time, Donald Trump also has a fetish for uh, urination. So he can fight dirty. I feel like if you can... If you can get, if you can allegedly get a, a Russian sex worker to pee on you, like a little bit of blood splat is going to be nothing. So yeah, it's a fair it's a fair point, Dan. And I think just for our, you know, Dan, hopefully that's given you an insight. And listen, Dan, if you can make that happen, respect, mate. We'll we'll come and we'll we'll I'll pay per view that. I'll right, put everything I own up into promoting that fight because the money we're going to make back in sales on pay per view. Yeah, like this is going to make Logan and Jake Paul look like fucking insignificant so yeah so Dan keep in contact mate great question yeah and uh, suffice to say on this podcast we ask and answer all the questions don't we Dave absolutely no question is too big too small too highbrow too stupid and if you do enjoy the show um, aside from our celebrity deathmatch imaginations please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify and you'll never miss an episode or you can subscribe to us on Acast the world's biggest podcast network where you can hear all of the very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests with that being said on today's show our guest is a presenter and broadcaster who has amassed over a decade of work in his local community within both the criminal justice system and with youth and social work he has worked with both victims and perpetrators of knife crime also in his work in media he has worked for Channel 4 BET and Previously hosted One Extra's podcast, One Extra Talks presents Brave Conversations. He is also the host of radio's biggest group chat, One Extra Talks, on Sunday nights on BBC One Radio Extra. So please welcome to the show, Mr. Richie Brave. 
Yo, welcome. Well, I say welcome, welcome. Thanks for having me, man. I know, Pleasure. welcome, welcome as well. Um, yeah, we're happy to be in your world as well. You have a lot going on, Richie. Um, all good stuff. Very who busy. Are you, who are you backing in our fight between Trump and Johnson? Uh, Trump will win, obviously. <laughs> you, think, you think he'll win? Yeah. So I think he'll win, man, for all I, the reasons you said. Yeah, and also, I feel like Donald Trump will definitely cheat. Like, he's, uh, defi- he's definitely a, I, yeah. I got some sand and I'll throw it in your eye. Well, speaking of cheating, Carlosian, <laughs> he's definitely up for that. Yeah, I mean, a different kind of cheating, isn't it? I mean, but then again, apparently Boris Johnson's pretty good at that as well. But I feel like I, I, I think it'd be a great fight. I think it'd be a fight that would be terrible and amazing to watch at the same time because of the people involved. Then I also think the way they would try and win those fights, like they're definitely fingering the butt, dudes. They definitely, definitely. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I agree a hundred percent. Someone's like. <laughs> the referee's like for fuck's sake do you know what no uh, I've got to say we do a lot of episodes of this show and listen Dan South Wales you smashed it today that's, definitely. A, that's a killer question right? Def- definitely like it, it would definitely be somebody on one of the pundits being like what has happened to the sport of MMA Honestly, <laughs> yeah, somebody what I really want is Gary Neville with his touch screen after the fight you know telling us where they won you know Roy exactly. Keane really giving oh, it hard that. Roy, yeah, that, that's the problem that. you know early in the fight they both went for fingers in the bots and <laughs> <laughs> made Straight away, I. Oh, <laughs> there are a number of times you could use. They've, they've thrown all the taxes have got out the window. They've both gone for boy. That's nip, too boy, good, dinner. man. It would, it would, just, oh, that fight. It would just be like uh, everyone would be like, oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely, yeah, uh, but, definitely um, a horrible image. I, I mean, I hate to do this, but it's probably time for a question, isn't it, Dane, as the format of this show dictates? I think, yes, I think, which will be... The Richie, under, good luck. Be, yeah, exactly, which will be... All the questions that would be the undercard to the... Uh, that oh, I asked would be the undercard. Shit. I don't know, no pressure on you, Richie. You are an esteemed guest, and so we are having nothing but faith in you. And as our esteemed <laughs> guest, we invite you to ask the first question, which we'd like to discuss for 15 minutes has been changed. Then my producer friend, Howard, would like to pose you a question, which we'll discuss for 15 minutes. And then in a surprise twist of fate, I would like to pose you a question and pick your brain for about 15 minutes. And then we could remind our great listeners where we can hear more about your good works. How does that sound? That sounds amazing. Right, sir, the floor is yours to ask the first question. Uh, I guess my first question would be, when did we become such dickheads? <laughs> I just want to get right in there. Uh, yeah, Richie. why not? We have, Welcome, I mean, the, Richie. I feel I like know I know you more in my life. Heard about the uh, fight two minutes ago, but the bar's real low now. We are, <laughs> honestly, the bar, the bar right, is low. Right there. Was it, is it the, but it, what has inspired... What, Richie, come on. What's inspired you know what? this question? I just... I, I, uh, I'm stuttering like Boris Johnson already. <laughs> you know, like the compassion has just been ripped out of people, right? And like when you when you go online and you see these conversations, Dane, I know, I know you're about this as well. Yeah. Like the literally the compassion and love and care for people has been ripped out of everything. And sensationalism for me is just running everything right now. And mm. when I see these conversations online and I've engaged in them myself, I'm not above this. Mm. But I do constantly ask myself the question, when did we become such uncaring? Dickheads. It's almost fashionable to be a dickhead and not care about the well-being of people these days. And I maybe it's always been like that. But what, like, when do we become such dickheads? I, I guess is the basis of this question. It's a good. It's a good question. Um, now, Howard, you are very dickhead sensitive. 
that's why I work with you, Dave. Yeah, this is it. This is that's it. why yeah, I, yeah. I keep close to you, man. Howard, yeah, Howard has very good sense when it comes to Dick Hedery, and uh, you know, and is also very patient. Mm-hmm. Being being a new father and the producer of said podcast <laughs> <laughs> and TV shows, fucking TV hell, it's show, not yeah. easy working in television, yeah, man. This is it. So, uh, yeah, Howard. I mean, yourself. How how are you defining a dickhead, Howard? I think because I, like, I feel like that, that itself is is subjective. It's a good question. Yeah, but that's even, fair. It can be quite right. Yeah, let's define dickheads. Um, I think the key to being a dickhead is not, I can only speak personally, you know. The key to being a dickhead is not thinking of others. That is a key element to it. Like, so for example, uh, let's say that I listened to, uh, what did I listen to this morning? I was, uh, I, okay, here's a really good example. I watched the Super Bowl uh, show that happened, uh, the, 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 the witnessing Dre and the team of amazing artists perform at the Super Bowl on the train to work on Monday morning. Now, if I was a dickhead, I would have played that without my headphones on for the whole bus to have to listen to that and me comment on it as I watched that amazing 15 minutes. That would be me not thinking about other people because most people don't want that. Particularly the sound quality through my phone across the train carriage would be rubbish, right? So like not thinking of others, Dane, that's that's yeah. key to being a dickhead, right? Number yeah. one. I think, I think that's a key cornerstone, the lack of consideration for other people is definitely a key. Um, just making sure we're all on the same page. Dickhead is also synonymous with pussy hole and asshole, right? <laughs> I'm just trying to make sure that I don't attach the stigma to any particular genital, and I'm trying to make it across the board because I'm really like, glad you did that. Dude. Even though the prefix "dick" would pertain to maybe patriarchy or toxic mm. masculinity, I don't think that dickhead is limited yeah. to gender in the same way that because I think being an asshole and a dickhead are definitely yeah. in the same, you know, and a prick. You know, you yeah, being a, a prick. prick. Yeah, I'm going to say, you know, we don't normally say the c word on this podcast, Dane. I don't know what reason. It just doesn't, you know, he's a lot of fucks, but you know, but I think that's a different thing when you're a c word. I think you're, I think you're a level above dickheads when you're a. C-word. If you're Guyanese, though, you put the s in front of yes, the c yeah, word. Yeah. So I'm just, Guyanese. Uh, yeah, you guess. So you can kind of. Chinese right. and, and Guyanese people can. It, it's almost like a. It's like a. It's a nice. It's a nice dismount on the tongue, yeah. just so it doesn't exactly. come across. Doesn't come across crude and sexist. So it's like it rolls. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like if you call somebody a lead dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you should do it as well, Howard. Yeah, yeah. I think you. I think. I think. I think we've definitely. You know, we, we've kind of here. That's the that's who we that's who we're talking about. That kind of that kind of character. And, I like and I think, what I do as well, Howard. As well, is that mm. if because again, we know that there can be some sexist connotations to say in the word "cunt." I like to uh, use a more kind of colloquial expression of "kian." Because I'm in South East London, because you kind of just bought the Black Hole Tunnel quite not, quite near Poplar, <laughs> quite close to Kent. So it's not like it's it's like what can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Lucian so you yeah. say it with a hard exactly thing. yeah Lucian as well so you're saying work yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it a, yeah. it's not a U it's a, a, it's a YA work <laughs> there you go like, the guy who's the I mean sorry for the people who get yeah, offended by language but tough uh, it, it, you know, a cunt you know is a person that's like taking a piss outside like on a train just because he's like just a just a complete that's just the worst kind of per whereas you know someone who's just being obnoxious and for you know that's on the train on the train it's a good example yeah Yeah, I mean Howard that's a really good definition and I can broaden that is anybody who treats a publicly shared space like their own private property Mm. um with again without consideration for others like that's a really good definition of dickhead and obviously goes back to why 
where dickheads is that uh, you know it's, it's it, people who are very selfish so yeah, you could argue definitely. is there a uh ideology of individualism that encourages dickheadedness well, and, and this was going to be my answer to you, Richie, and, and, and I'm interested to see what you and, and, and obviously Dane think. But, but, but after, you know, after the Second World War, as I say uh, on this podcast quite regularly, we did become obsessed with this kind of version of the American dream, which is all about consumerism and, mm. and what you can own, what you can have. Community, you know, for, for many reasons as well, became eroded and people became less focused on us and more interested in them. And that's because, uh, you know, people became, I guess, selfish, right, Dane? And, and and by becoming selfish, our behavior has unfortunately turned out to create a world of dickheads. I think, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think it's really that simple, Howard. I think yeah. when you look at other species within the animal kingdom, very rarely do you hear about them exacting acts of malice um, or spite towards other fellow species. Um, even like lions, they never like, why'd you kill that zebra? Because I wanted to. Mm. <laughs> it was, it was wrong part of the ends in the savannah plains. Like no one, like sharks, Very, it's very rare you hear about animals killing other animals for sport. Um, and yet we are supposed to be the uh, apex uh, of the species, despite the fact that we, that's, unless we've, you know, we've become our own natural predators. But yeah, continuing from your point, Howard, uh, and to answer the question, I think, yeah, uh, post-World War, the establishment of the American, I guess, hegemony, if you don't want to say empire, they, uh, um, yeah, capitalism uh, and global capitalism has spread. And a large part of that is uh, the fact that it's, uh, it's very individualistic in nature and capitalism economically can be described as a zero-sum game. So in order for you to gain and prosper within the system, you have to, to an extent, be okay with depriving others. And, you know, that could be a real dickhead move. For example, the fact that, uh, yeah, using our examples of our former president um, who was massively outspoken about the idea of defunding the police Mm. and yet didn't want to pay his taxes, which pays the salaries of the police. (laughs) So, you know, that's a great example of, you know, paradoxical dickheadery is when you have uh, board directors and CEOs and the financial elite in this country who themselves break laws mm. and yet it's strangely then rally behind or able to hide behind institutions of law enforcement whether they don't pay their actual salaries. Wild. Which Richie, makes no sense. I've to, Richie, I've got to ask you, you know, how are you coping with the rise of the dickheads? It's, it is a challenge, oh, it's diff, right? It's such a challenge. It's interesting, right? Because you touched on capitalism and how capitalism reinforces individualism and you can't remove like racism from capitalism because the structures are inexplicably li- linked yep. and you kind of see like we speak about it on a structural level right but we all like your everyday level people are seeing that being an absolute fucking dickhead pays the bills you mm. can be a prick to marginalized communities and this is why all of these fucking pricks run around talking about <laughs> woke warriors and Black Lives Matter going crazy, da 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 But actually, these people that do that are given platforms, are given copious amounts of money, and people see that being a dickhead to marginalised communities pays. And I think the reason why I asked the question in the first place is, all of this, and as a black person, I can't remove myself from this, right? And everybody knows what I'm about, like the kind of person I am. So when you're talking about things like wokeness and this, that, and 
and Black Lives Matter, all of these people have the conversation, they walk away from it, and then we're meant to pick up the pieces of the consequences that happen as a result of the, the conversation, right? So even like when it comes to trans people, all of these sensationalist conversations happen, everyone walks away from the conversation, goes to lay down in their bed, and trans people have to pick up the consequences and the pieces of the convos. So for me, it's kind of like dickheadery pays. And for me, dealing with it, I don't know, man, like, I'm pretty active online on Twitter, um, mm. quite opinionated in the same way that, you know, Dane is as well. Um, and you've seen an up, uptick in it. And I'm rude as fuck, but I'm also on the BBC. So I have to be impartial in the things that I say. So there's a lot of words that I want to draw for when people mm. start chatting to me. But because of where I am and sometimes the opportunities that I've got are far larger than who I am. They're far bigger than me. They're about the community and what I can do with them. Um, I have to be careful with the way that I deal with it. But it frustrates me. It mm-hmm. does frustrate me. Oh, of course. Fact- it's um, it's a great way of even... I mean, it's actually probably one of the pathologies by which people themselves slip into decadery. Exactly. You know, because, the, yeah, because the justification comes whereby you're like, I would like to observe a more altruistic and interpersonal and more considerate disposition. But as you said, in a world of, uh, you know, intense capitalism, particularly in social media, that isn't something that is... I mean, I'd go so far as to say that even technologically and corporately, that is suppressed. Yes. You know, when we, when we, you know, take into context the algorithm, having a narrative which may encourage more, I guess, left of centre or socialist practices, whether it's like donating to charity or being more ecologically responsible, these don't bode well for the people that own this media. And so, yeah, it might be that dickheaded is encouraged because it's a much easier disposition to monetize. Because, you know, well, very simply, if you're a dickhead, the odds are you're going to be by yourself, like on Valentine's Day, for example. So, if is, <laughs> so I don't know, and that might always be the case necessarily, because you might, if you are a dickhead, you may also be dependent on validation and for someone to take you. Oh, your dickheadery means you've got yeah. a lot of people running after you. Yeah, yeah. Or, 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 <laughs> it basically means that, you know, it could, you're uh, part of the same group of validation, because I guess a lot of time people's outward behavior obviously belies the opposite sentiment they may have. So someone who might appear to be very obnoxious or very superficial themselves are very desperate for validation. And if someone, and essentially these are all states of vulnerability within the human psyche, and that can always be monetized. Fear and shame and pride are all great uh, triggers for spending and Mm. of disposable income. And so there is a, yeah, there's a financial, um, there's a financial investment in encouraging dickheadery. But also, when does it stop though? Like that. When it stops, is 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 a great question. I think the answer is never. Uh, sadly, with the way the things are going, but I, I was going to say that I, 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 you know, I live with this guy. As Dane knows, I live with this guy, Richie. Like this. <laughs> oh no, this guy, right? No, he listens to the podcast. No, no, he's two years old, right? Me, me and my wife made him right, a couple of while ago, right? And 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 this morning, right, when I was trying to get him to eat his breakfast, you know, and he's like. I can't think of, he's acting like a dickhead, right? And that's and that, and that's because he he has no understanding of 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 being thoughtful for another person. He didn't want his Weetabix, you know, and he's kicking off. And I end up having to pick up Weetabix. You have to pick up Weetabix. It's fucking rubbish. Yeah, uh, and, soggy. And, yeah, soggy, and it's really not a pleasant experience. Anyway, and I was just thinking to myself, God, what a dickhead! But he obviously, doesn't know. So I'm going to teach him how to not be a dickhead for a number of years. And then at some point, the world is going to get hold of him and turn him back into a back dickhead. Back into a dickhead, man. <laughs> That's quite yeah. frightening to think about. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, it's, it's a very frightening prospect, but I guess 
It depends. Yeah. So there's 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 psychology to that as well, isn't there? So I guess you could describe Freudian theory when you look at how the human psyche is made up of the the id and the ego and the superego. Mm. The id is supposed to represent your uh, center that drives for your own self gratification. Also, uh, or also called like lizard brain thinking. It is, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so children, when they're born, tend to have this, where it's like, I'm cold, so someone must make me warm. I'm hungry, somebody feeds me. Your mum feeds you. My nipple hurts. I don't give a shit. I was hungry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, why are we having... I'm, I'm tired. What the fuck are you still talking to me for? Put me to bed. <laughs> That's uh, me in the morning, to be honest. Are you guys busy? <laughs> I shat myself. Take care of this. I don't like the smell or the feel. And while you're right, I'm also hungry. And... Yeah, as how it says that you have your ego and your super ego, or your super ego is supposed to represent a part of your higher consciousness where you try mm. to do the utmost for others. And your ego is somewhere in between those things that can be motivated by uh, fear. And I suppose it's depending on your... And then I guess the argument is nature or nurture. Does your environment um, dictate how these particular centers are formed? Because... Definitely you could, have an impact. You could argue, yeah, because of the subjectivity of decadentness, you could argue that... Uh, consciousness or being conscientiousness i should say is sometimes a a a commodity that we all can't afford so for example i think poachers are dickheads right poachers that may poach ivory tusks Mm. from like animals or people that kill gorillas for bushmeat or like people that like maybe might exploit resources for like palm oil but then i think you live in countries where Poaching bushmeat is a difference between feeding your family or your family starving. This is a point I was going to make, actually. So, like, with children, so you mentioned children. I think that's such an, like, an interesting comparison because children are reliant on, for survival, right? So their yeah. main focus is survival. So they go on their natural instincts because they haven't developed reason yet. Mm-hmm. So it's, okay, I'm sitting in my shit. Someone needs to change me, so I'm going to cry. Or I'm reliant on everybody to do what I need them to do because I need to survive. And I think... The kind of environments in which, and you know you said nature and nurture, right? I think the kind of environments that we're living in now um, puts us in survival state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we forget about reasoning and we forget about compassion because we're just trying to survive. So if you look mm-hmm. at, you mentioned capitalism a bit earlier on, under a capitalistic um, structure, if you are one of the people in the poorer echelons of society, mm-hmm. it isn't just about like enjoying yourself is about putting a roof over your head and surviving. So yeah. I think survival has been so reinforced under a global pandemic. You've seen people become even more, yeah. di- even more yeah. dickheadery than Aust- you have before. Aust- austerity as well. Exactly. All of those yeah. things. It's survival. Yeah. So I think like survival cells puts us into fight or flight. And when mm. we're in fight or flight, a lot of people come out fighting. And well, I think I that's think- where dickheadery is. Yeah, I think I think the age of the dickhead, uh, a new book and TV series by Dane Baptiste and Richie Brave will be coming. <laughs> oh, I'm on it, man. Yeah, <laughs> I'm later this year. Definitely. Uh, but a great question, right, Dane, to start off our show. Eh? What a good question. It's, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the real question going on right now. That's it's what the, I'd it's say. the big <laughs> question. It's the question on everybody's lips. <laughs> it's the question on everybody's lips right now at the moment. This day, it, dickheads. Yeah, yeah. My dickheads. goodness. Question. If you, if you did look at any, like, pick five of ten headlines in yeah. here today, and you must have asked yourself, like, is it just, is everyone a dickhead out here? Yeah. Exactly. In that yeah. accent as well. Yeah. Is everyone a dickhead? Like, I, I really feel like if you're not, if that's not the sentiment you have in society right now, mm. you could be on the wrong side of dickheadedry. In uh, 
I've got I've got to shift it up just a little bit for my question because I'm I'm very interested by what Richie Richie's shows show does. Richie, tell Richie, tell the audience now a little bit about what you're what you're yeah, doing on BBC so One Extra. This sounds thing. like a set. I'm going to sell it right now. You yeah, know, it's an interesting show, mate. It's an interesting yeah, show. Yeah, no, no. So it's One Extra Talks. It's on BBC One Extra, and basically it takes varying subjects and looks at them through a black lens. So it kind of just touches on what we said before. You know, we spoke about capitalism, society, all of that kind of stuff. Things through a black lens. You, your race is going to change the way that you experience something in particular. And black lenses and black conversations have quite often been buried. When we give examples, quite often samples are white middle-class people. Um, But actually this provides the opportunity to explore subject matters through the lens of blackness and not sensationalized either. Actually, we try and get to, to the crux of things. So we've done things like, I don't know, the policing bill, We've explored how that disproportionately affects black and traveler communities. So, um, yeah, for me, it's about getting getting to the nitty gritty, really trying to drill down, um, you know, into things from a black perspective. Yeah. And it's, you know, it kind of made, I listened to some of it. I was like, God, this is just, you know, I'll be honest, it's not what I automatically associate with one extra, right? That's that's kind of part of the, I think, the the, the magic of it. And, and it made me just think, God, it's good for people to talk <laughs> kind of, you know, you don't kind of, sometimes I don't stop and think about that. It's just like, and um, I, I suppose my question is, is pretty simple. It really is. Which is why, why, why do we find it so hard to do that <laughs> at the moment? Probably oh, just the answer is dickheads, right? We should stop now. I yeah, think <laughs> the answer is dickheads. But why does it feel like it's so, it's getting harder to just talk like, and you know, me and Dane converse every week, but, you know, I think we could be honest, we probably could actually just talk more. I could call, pick up a phone and call you, Dane. Sometimes just messaging you and like, you know, like sometimes I just probably should just talk to you because it'd be nicer for both. We'll probably both enjoy it more uh, than like, uh, this is the next response to the conversation we're having on WhatsApp. Like, I don't know, like, is, is, am I right? Is it getting harder to talk? Like actual words out of your mouth, interacting with other words out of other people's mouth. Richie, does that, that feel like something that's affecting your life or do you know you what? Do a so, job that spot stops that? I suppose. Yeah. And that is sometimes it's so, so like, and you even mentioned that I did criminal justice work. Right. So, yeah. um, but it was more from a rehabilitative perspective and what I did was group work and I spoke for hours and hours and hours. And now as a presenter, I talk, um, I've got a day job, which involves a lot of talking. So when I when I'm finished, sometimes I just don't want to fucking talk. I don't want to. I don't want to breathe near somebody. I don't want to hear your problems. Sorry. Like, sometimes I do. Like I'm a good listener, but sometimes I don't want to hear nothing. I just want to put on Netflix, eat until I pass out. You know, it just gets. I think we're all burnt out. I yeah. think sometimes it's difficult to talk because. Scratching the surface means that you have to deal with whatever's going on. And we spoke a bit earlier on about survival, right? And we've been in a global pandemic, whether people believe that or not. I don't want to get into the dickheadery. Um, but actually, whether you do or don't believe it, it's still a stressful time. And a stressful stressful time is going to have an impact on your mental health and how you preserve yourself. And I think we're moving more into, actually, I don't know if I can talk about this because when I open up the Pandora's box, I don't know if I can put it all back the, in. The fact that you get caveat by saying, I'm not sure if it was a global pandemic or not. Let's yeah. <laughs> what you've had to be entertaining over the last year and a half, Richie, bro, <laughs> it's, it's very, it's a very, it's a very telling statement there. That's oh my god, it's really a lot, man. Yeah, and no, sometimes no, no, no. I don't want to do like I don't want to the, the the global pandemic thing. Sometimes I don't. I nearly lost my dad to COVID. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. when people try and open up a vaccine and COVID conversation with me, I, sometimes I just don't want to fucking have it yeah. because the response I'm going to give you, you're never going to talk to me again. 
Mm-hmm. In fact, I'll probably be arrested. So, <laughs> well, and see, this is the thing, Howard, is that like it's a really good question, but I think the real question isn't so much about why we're so unwilling to talk, Howard. It's the fatigue of listening. I think, yes. and I don't know if I've explained that properly, but what I mean by that, Howard, is that the the talking that's making you most tired is the internal monologue, and the thing about your internal monologue is the fact that it's it's for lack of a better term, it's tainted by you're having to hear so many other narratives all the time. And I'm not sure necessarily that human beings have evolved to be able to entertain so many things, especially now we're in an age now of like, we're in a post-spin world, we're in a world of like fake news and alternate facts. So now your brain is having to learn to process being told about news and current events, then sieve through that for authenticity and, uh, you know, for fact, for it for it to be factual, then you have to consider the alternate narrative, which is I originally said that he can't just he can't just make an innocuous statement like we had a pandemic because people people be like it's a simulation. So now you have yeah, to, exactly which which, which comes from a new uh, landscape of democracy in discourse that you've never had before. You also live in the era of opinion, Howard where people that aren't necessarily learned about a particular topic can still volunteer a narrative to it. Exactly, and in a and also within a populist landscape the loudest voice can appear to be the most uh, virtuous one. So just because someone's saying it, and uh, well, I, just, I just believe it. Like that's enough to rabble rouse people <laughs> that you now have to consider those things as well, Howard. So Facts. it's all of those things as well. Then just your natural, uh, then just the natural day-to-day of, you know, processing your reality, living as a man, as a straight man, as a husband, as a father, and having to have another dependent. And then as well as being you know, a Jewish man in London. So, then it's your self-image, mm. and that itself is another narrative that's running constantly in your head. And ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is all while doing this, while having to navigate um, a world where all of this is immaterial because your self-worth to the society at large is determined by your uh, financial situation. Mm. Your your brain is just, your your mind's tired by the end. Right. You think yeah. about all these things. Your mind's tired by the end. So much so, I feel like these are these things lead us to our normal because these, these these are all things that I'd say are within your consciousness. Like this is a, I'm describing a phenomenon that's not necessarily tangible, but we're aware of it. I think human beings are aware that our consciousness is distinct from our physical body, and when we do become psychologically fatigued, because that can also be a result of like trauma as well. Yes. Um, good point. And so then, for example, if you have experienced trauma, then your brain might be having to take medication in order to suppress 
an alternate personality that you've had to create in order to process and deal with that trauma. Or for most people who don't necessarily have their uh, complexes as extreme on the scale of neurosis or psychosis, then they might have alcohol or smoke a spliff because you're trying to separate yourself from your corporeal self. So when you think about all the stuff you have to do just to get through every single fucking day, then by having a bond to another human being, that means you are taking on someone else's as well. And that in itself can be very difficult. And that's why it sometimes feels easier to text because when we talk about like baggage, that's an exchange. And most of us, I do try to use the analogy of like weight training. I have a regimen in terms of what I do in terms of the exercises and reps to keep my mind as healthy as possible. You have a regimen as well, Howard, but mm. using the physical things, if I'm benching 125, it doesn't mean that you can bench 125 as well as if I say I'm benching 125, Howard, you got to bench 125 as well as the shit, your, your own reps as well. Mm. And that can be physically draining for a lot of people, yeah. especially where we don't get to um, practice a lot of psychological or mental exercises that would make that kind of thing easier. Mm. And so, I just think, yeah. sorry, go on then. No, no, because I was just saying, because I was just saying, because um, I think how the problem, like I said, guys, I don't think the problems talking to each other. It's people being understanding that that's discourse is tough because for you to say something, someone has to say or reflect something back to you. Otherwise, you're just doing what influencers do, and you kind of have to speak into the ether and hope people connect with it. Because I can say for free, we've seen ourselves. When influencers say they've got 1.1 million followers on all this other stuff, and that seems fine. But if you really had to entertain the whims of and the issues and the complexes and baggage of your entire following... Impossible. It'd be impossible. You do your fucking mind. And I always see, I try to explain it on a larger theological scale. Social media allows you to know what's going on everywhere all the time. And to an extent, even know what people are thinking because people's, the anonymity of the internet allows you to see what people's true desires are. Dick Hedery, as we discussed. So being all present, all knowing and all powerful is like having the power of a God. Then knowing how people think and what their true carnal desires are is another power that you never had before. So then when you're an influencer, people see you almost on this pedestal. When they start asking stuff of you, this is why you have these influencers being like, taking a break from social media. I'm just going to take a break for a while for my own mental health. Because it's like, if you're a God, you think about the things that people say or when they know that you can get away with saying it on social media. That's like, they're letting you know what's in their head and how they might think. Now, if you think there's an actual spiritual being who can hear all these thoughts all the time, thousands of years before there was social media, would you answer people's fucking prayers? (laughs) (laughs) When you know how they think and what they ask for and what their true carnal desires are, however tainted they've been by their society. But if we see how people think with anonymity on social media, imagine how they think anonymously what they might ask for, what they might... Mm. Like, if you were someone that has the power to do it, you wouldn't listen to these people. Like, imagine if you're God and you listen to how humans think and what their desires are, what they want within a capitalist world. Would you sleep at night? You probably wouldn't even be able to sleep ever. And, you know, so I, I think how my answer to the question is, I don't think it's, it's talking <laughs> is the problem. I think for a lot of people, it's the listening. Because we're a social species and a lot of time when we hear someone talk, it's always going to be reflective of ourselves. I think it's the same reason why Howard people don't want that's why people don't when they hear like um homeless people say excuse me ladies and gentlemen they switch off because nobody wants to see how close they themselves how close they are to poverty 
Mm. It's something I wanted to touch on as well. And even on the most basic of levels, you discussed nature and nurture a bit earlier on. We are socialized not to speak, especially in mm. the UK. Yeah. And we can't remove that. Like, and as men specifically, if you look at the ways in which men are socialized from, from birth, from when you're young, mm. if you are a man and if you are a boy child and you cry too much, they tell you boys. Don't, and, and people use that as like this really simplistic, oh, it's okay to cry. And yeah, of course it's okay to cry. But actually, if we look at what that does to your psyche, when you are socialized out of expressing your emotions mm-hmm. and they say things like men are less likely to use, women use X amount of more words than men. That's because girls are socialized to express themselves more emotionally. So yeah. when it comes to the reasons why we don't talk, even on the most basic of levels, how we are socialized into society as men to be productive people in society, we are socialized not to have conversations. Yeah, and I think exactly. if you look at yeah. some of the stuff that Dane said, it makes it even worse. If you add all of the layers on top of that, it socializes you into speaking, into not speaking even more. And then when you have to present yourself as someone who's able to like be a, a, um, giving member of society an upstanding member of society and be strength inside your families and strength inside your communities talking isn't conducive to that actually Mm -hmm. getting stuff done is conducive to that and for a lot of people speaking on having conversations is an expression of vulnerability Mm -hmm. and lots of people don't view vulnerability as a strength they view it as a weakness so what we do is this wide scale avoidance of -hmm. having conversations in the hope that maybe we don't express any of the vulnerabilities that we're living through or experiencing so we're able to keep ourselves whole so when you add in all the global pandemic stuff we've spoken about when you add in all the capitalism stuff we've spoken about when you add in all of the stuff that Dana's just spoken about it stops us from being able to speak. We have so mm. many things that are covering our mouths. You need to be strong, but not too strong. You need to care for the people in your community, but not care about them too much, because that means that you ain't you're, a you're strong a person. Or, or you're a communist. Or you're a communist. You need yeah, to be you, open think, yeah. to listen to people's perspectives, but not too open, because you need to have a mind of your own. And you need to be giving or not too giving, because you're a simp. And you need mm. to love your partner, but not too loving, because it means you're soft and people mm. take advantage of you. So when it comes to all of these communications, we are constantly trying to shift in the society, whereas they said a bit earlier on we aren't used to having 101 opinions mm. constantly running around our heads constantly we like we are not used to that and we're not trying to navigate something that's new that's social media and yeah. we look at social media in its rawest form it's only been around for i don't know the past 10 years if you're looking at something like twitter we aren't used as human beings to navigate in these spaces so when it comes to talking it's easier to do all of this throwaway stuff online because you don't have to think about it right yeah. i go online i tweet and i just walk away from social media yeah. but for me to get on a phone conversation with you and have a direct conversation i can't throw my phone across the room i have to be responding to you now there's interpersonal accountability as well exactly and a conversation with somebody as well and more to the point you said as well is that like it's, it's such a strange phenomenon because to see the etiquette of social media acted out in real life you would easily dismiss somebody who behaved in that way as has been mental health if someone sat at the back of a bus or was on a crowded carriage on a train and was just like, TFL is run by dickhead. <laughs> I can't wait to have my salad at lunch. You'd be like, what the, that person is fucking crazy. Like even someone at the back of a bus, if they were being like, well, I think we should leave the, uh, the European Union. Too many immigrants coming in. You'd be like, well, it's a drunk on the bus. But we give this credence to it in a way that we never have before. And Normally when people hear or they, when people react to or comment on hear voices from intangible sources, because when you see something on social media, you at this point in time, you don't even know if an algorithm wrote that. Yeah. Facts. <laughs> but that's what we are. Like, it's true. Or, or someone might have created this account 
And all they're doing is creating a version of self, which is, for example, someone might be what's referred to as an edgelord. They have regressive views, which are going to obviously antagonize people. And they just want to be that person. The same way that mm-hmm. someone who used to like, there was that one kid in your school that would eat dirt and you'd be like, don't do it, Dudley. It was like, and he's like, hey, well, <laughs> paying attention to the spectacle. So it's a form yes. of validation. And there are some people that will create a, uh, a version of themselves to serve that. And it's not an actual person, but it's still triggering. But then now you've made a space in your head to take an opposing position to a person that technically doesn't exist. And if I told you that, if I told that to a psychiatrist that there's a motherfucker out there who says that black people should go back to where they came from. What's his name, Dane? Edgelord79. This fucking fuck. I like to slit his throat. This person don't exist, you know. This is just a this is just a digital fiction that's yeah. been created to piss yeah. off black people, but it's allowed, it's created a response in me. But if I describe it to a psychiatrist, they'll be like, Are you all right? You having delu- you're having delusions. Yeah. But, but we're not, but we are not viewing this as a abnormality in our psychology at the moment within social media. So, yeah. I think that is one of the greatest answers I've ever had for any of my questions on this show today, guys. So, But I'm going to just close it out by saying, you know what? I, I, sometimes I talk to people on the phone and at the end of it, they say to me, oh, that was good. I enjoyed that. We Yeah, we talked on the phone. It was good. And I was like, yeah, probably, probably should go back to that a little bit more. Eh? Uh, yeah, but, uh, but then 90% of all human communication is nonverbal anyway. Yeah. So sometimes, how do you know? It, it, I, I think it's more. Sometimes we should. I tell this story all the time. Uh, I think it's a, it's a Winnie the Pooh story, and basically Winnie the Pooh is sad one day, and Tigger shows up, and Tigger's like, "What's up, Winnie the Pooh?" And he's like, "I can't find Christopher Robin. We're supposed to hang out today." And Tigger's like, "Don't worry, I'll hang out with you, Winnie the Pooh. We can run and we can jump and we can play and we can sing songs and we can do anything we want." And Winnie the Pooh says, "The best thing about Christopher Robin is that we can sit together and not do anything at all." And mm. sometimes that can be profound just to be in the presence of another Yo. human being as a social species. So Definitely. it's not always about a talking Howard. You can be around someone and talk, but it's what you're talking about. Because sometimes the best conversations when you don't have to say anything. Yeah. Me and like, my best mate are like that. Yeah. <laughs> not, it's not ideal for podcasting, but I, I definitely no. hear your point. <laughs> but you know what, Howard? I would argue that podcasting, the appeal of podcasting is that it provides that mm. um, a kind of um, ambient monologue or the ambient yeah. um, discourse mm. where you don't have to necessarily volunteer yourself in a conversation. No, definitely. But you can just listen. And that's listen. what I think human beings, that's I said to Howard, listening is the issue more than speaking. Well, hopefully our listeners aren't having any problem listening to this episode because it's been a blinder. And Dane is going to wrap it up with his question. Uh, right. Over to you, Dane. Yes. Um, and just to continue with the uh, themes that we've been discussing, really, because, Richie, you seem to be in a... Uh, war for human consciousness and uh, uh, trying to fight the very good fight uh, in terms of a lot of conversations and stuff you have across media. So I want to keep it short and sweet. Basically, uh, you know, especially when you're in your work talking about issues that affect the mental health of the black consciousness. um, This is a world that I feel like in terms of like digital media and podcasting, there is a very natural, narrow spectrum of topics that I hear the diaspora discuss, right? And um, I have my theories on it, which I'll reveal later on in the question. But I wanted to ask you what you think is the most pertinent topic affecting the community or the culture or the diaspora, however you choose to quantify, you know, the demographic that you'd speak to on BET or... um, social media, which is not just exclusively black people. Um, But what would you say is the most pertinent discussion on 
the lips are in the minds of the culture at the moment. Amazing. Freedom. Freedom. Cute. And I feel like it in, so I, I, I don't want to, it's really hard not to get into these conversations without throwing out, you know, those buzz terms that people always throw out and nobody really knows what they mean, mm-hmm. but like, it sounds cool. So, you know, the whole like black people aren't a monolith and people say that a lot, but there's a real truth in that. Yeah, so yeah, when I'm definitely. talking about freedom specifically, and I like, uh, we, we say black community, right. As opposed to black communities, so mm. blackness is the thing that links us, but actually we have that all is of these a really varied... good point. Howard, cut it, stamp it, print it. You hear that? Yeah. <laughs> the black communities. I fucking love that shit. That's really good. Yeah, like That's we great. have so many varying identities that exist within us all at the same time. And Kimberly Crenshaw, you know, the feminist or womanist coined that term like intersectionality, and lots of people throw it around. But actually, there's something very real in that. And that the, it there is something about gaining freedom for our blackness, but there's also other parts of us that need freeing as well. So it's like we can have this conversation about blackness and you know freedom for black people but if i'm if i'm talking to a black woman and i'm very misogynistic and patriarchal then there's an element of your freedom that i don't believe in and Mm -hmm. that i'm still retaining from you so so for me freedom seems to be the pertinent question but we're getting to a point where everyone's splitting themselves up and this is what i mean about communities right i feel like we need to come together and have these conversations but people split themselves into all of these little groups and then they start fighting each other and this isn't specific to black communities this happens across the board as well irrespective of what communities you're in. Um, but what we don't realise is all of these, in, in like these, not infighting, I kind of hate that word, but all of this kind of tension mm. removes us from our free. This one thing that we say that we all want, it removes us from it. Mm. Because it's like, I want freedom for our communities, but these are the terms that I want it on. And if you've got this identity, then you don't deserve to be free. But people like us, like me, the right kind of people deserve freedom. And for me, it's about collective freedom moving forward. So freedom seems to be the conversation that's been happening, not just from now, but if you look back to, you know, the 1600s, the same conversation has been happening, but the freedom has taken on different forms, if that makes sense. So I think that that conversation is always moving forwards, but freedom sounds really pertinent. But the conversations we seem to be having sometimes or the ones that are promoted and platformed so often are just very shallow and top line. And no one wants to get into the depth of it. And this mm-hmm. is probably where I started with the dickhead thing because the yeah. sensationalism seems to be so popular right now. And I'm like, that's great, it's entertaining, but why can't we have a balance? Why can't we start to promote conversations that actually move narratives and freedom forwards? We can have a joke. I want to do it. I love, I love trash. I engage in it. But when there's no balance, we have to question ourselves. Like, what the fuck are we doing? Mm. Um, I think, I hope that answers it. But that's what I said. No, say. definitely. And uh, allows, and on the subject of intersectionality, Howard, you represent some communities that since the Second World War have been uh, in a very, uh, I guess, intent and very active uh, pursuit of freedoms from religion oh, yeah. to economics. So I'd... Including you in the question, Howard, do you um, do you think that's uh, within the Jewish community? Is that a large uh, part of the uh, conversation as well? Would you find? I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's interesting. We always, we haven't done this for quite a while. Uh, the comparisons between the Jewish plight and the, and the black plight, Dane. We've, we've mm-hmm. definitely when when Wiley got uh, had a, had a moment. We we definitely dived into that, I believe. But like. 
it, 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 and it's, I think you once used the phrase uh, oppression Olympics mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> as quite a good, good, good measuring stick. And, and there is no measurement, right, for, for comparing and contrasting. No, I mean, especially in the case of like, as, uh, as Rishi so correctly stated, communities and also intersectionality, there are elements of the Jewish community that also include black people. Mm-hmm. There are yeah, black yeah. Jews. There are a community many, many, of black many. Jewish people in I mean, Ghana. You can, exactly. And also, I mean, Ethiopia as well. You could also argue yeah. that the Rastafarian faith is itself is a, maybe mm-hmm. our equivalent of, because, you know, you know a Hasidic Jew when you see one and you know a Rasta when you see one. Yeah. So there's, <laughs> certain, there's certain members of the house of David, you know them when you see them. Yeah. So and and and, and I was going to say something that I know is potentially going to get me in trouble, but but kind of fuck it. But like the 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 Holocaust is it has defined the Jewish story, mm. and that story was a story that ran for a long time before that. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that, and that doesn't mean so. Like you know, I think I told said a while ago. My the, they released some information releasing the in the British census, which allowed me and my family to work out where we came from in Poland, the exact tiny town. We never knew that, and you know, we could go back there and find out exactly why they made us fucking leave. Um, which we, we, you know, are pretty sure in many cases of the Jews in that era, which is 1880-something, I can't remember exact date, uh, you know, they were like, you know, we weren't leaving for fun. <laughs> Let's yeah. put it that way. Well, what's, what's mad, Howard, is like, you know, we're talking about intersectionality, the term ghetto never used to apply to black people, you know? Yeah, well, exactly. So this is what I was about to say, which is, I think there's, there's, there's a very interesting thing where where the identity is formed through the suffering. and And what, the Jews have done very well. <laughs> what we've done very well is to kind of move on <laughs> with, mm-hmm. with, with in, a, in a way that was accepted because people don't want to talk about the Holocaust because it is so horrendous and also succinct in what it was. Like you can take kids at school and they'll tell you what it was in two sentences. But I would argue. And, and I'm not, I'm not, there's no blame associated with the Jewish community for this, but I would, I would say because that one horrific genocidal act is so clear in our minds, actually uh, understanding the others throughout history is quite difficult because they're not as clear cut as that. That was, you know, for a small period of time, the guy rose to fucking power, 38, was it? I can't remember. And within that six years, the Jews were put oh, into... No, it might have been a little bit before that, you know, because obviously... A little bit before. Power, but, during the Berlin Olympics, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? For a very limited so, period of time, we all know what happened and we mm. all know this end result and we all know that it was fucking awful. But I think other stories, you know, and there's Armenian, there's, we've talked, I think we've talked, I think we had Kay yeah. Kurd on many, well, you know, we've talked about this before. There are other stories, including, you know, a variety of black stories of genocidal experiences, you know, and we can go across the globe for that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we don't need to limit to one country. I think it's actually quite difficult for people to get their head around it. And that's why, you know, I think it's been good era for, often for the Jewish community to, because we, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> I fucking know I'm about to piss some people off, but like it, 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 there's been some, some positives to come off the back of what was the most horrendous experience in our history. Uh, and I don't think any other group has that. Well, it's, yeah, and I think it's I think it's interesting, Howard, that again you kind of have to caveat and be like, I might piss some people off, but it's like, I, isn't the merit of it that you're supposed to be able to take ownership of that story as well? Mm. Like, isn't that the idea of like the transgenerational anecdotes? Is that you remember it and can juxtapose those experiences and be like, 
I've been able, my family have, have had a much more fortuitous life following some of the experiences of my members of my community and stuff. Mm. Um, but I think just to kind of throw my, you know, tuppence into the whole, you know, kind of what, what is the pertinent uh, conversation in the black community, you know, as, as an outsider, I, I, I think that, 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 that there, there is that sense of, you know, achieving unity or, 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 or unity of message that, that kind of, I, I think that's the, just an impossible task. Uh, or at least it appears yeah. it from outside. Well, I mean, guys. I mean, well, one yeah. of the one of the reasons being is that you know it's the uh, the understanding of that of the nomenclature of black. Number one would probably be part of it. Yeah, um, very good. Which point, is why yeah. I said black communities. Yeah, is one of the most effective ways I've of a, of address that I've heard ever mm. because to quote like I said because there are because for example the black Jewish population. They have an attachment to the Holocaust as well, mm. um, which who is to say what takes more prescience in terms of their experience or their understanding or rationalization of trauma, that experience within the Holocaust, mm. or would it be maybe encountering Western white supremacy mm. because they've been affected by those on, on in, two, in, two, in two instances in the same way that like there's going to be an intersectionality of uh homophobia as well as racial oppression to black and brown members of the LGBT community. Yeah. Um, so I think communities is one part of it in terms of freedom. So, but is, is there, I mean, was, was freedom, would you say freedom was part of the journey towards the reclamation of self image for the Jewish community? Oh, hugely, hugely. And, and because, you know, in Mississippi burning, like, one of the victims of uh, uh, was a Jewish guy who had driven yeah. down to, uh, you know, socialism obviously has its roots within the Jewish community as well. Of Even when you hear a lot of the uh, count, alt-right counter-narratives, mm. like uh, equality or Black Lives Matter or self-determination, they also reference cultural Marxism, which again is an ideology that has its origins in the yeah. Jewish community. I think it's you know it's one of those subjects and uh, and you know kind of the way you addressed it to Richie earlier about kind of what's the thing on the lips what's the what's the key thing that we're looking at and I I I think across many different cultures backgrounds races ethnic any way you want to describe the big question is you know kind of where are we going and what is this future right and I think that yeah. is something that we can all unite on trying to have solid discourse and leaving the dickheads at the door would be a first step <laughs> to trying to solve some of those or, problems. Or, or a society which actually, and this is the other part I want to make as well about, uh, you know, what would have helped be the catalyst towards, I guess, freedom of expression and existence for the Jewish community is people, you know, the recognition and reclamation of your humanity. Because that's mm. normally what precedes genocide. Yes. And uh, <laughs> it's the, the freedom to express your humanity and not be marred, but uh, marred, have it inhibited by political identity or self-image based on a construct such as race yeah. might be the first step towards psychological freedom. Free your mind and the rest will follow. That's what En Vogue said. They did say that. Right? I, can I just touch on as well? I think mm. that's why the whole solidarity thing is so important and the, the ways in which communities are presented and the live realities of those communities are really different. And when you look at some of the tensions that have existed from ethno-Jewish communities and black communities, I, I, I think in the media quite often they're exploited and mm. people stoke those fires because it 
we know we spoke about Dick Hedery gets clicks, right? So mm. a lot of people kind of stoke those fires and they get the clicks and they get the retweets and it feels great. But actually what you do, the fallout of that when people walk away is these the, the, the tension between these communities just rise and rise and rise. And the inaccurate perceptions of the live realities of these communities rise and rise and rise and rise and rise, and rise as well. Because I, like, I say this to somebody who, growing up where I grew up, South London, you would know Dane, I'm from New Cross, born and bred. Mm. I didn't grow up uh, around Jewish people. So I didn't have an understanding of what their live reality was. The first understanding that I had of Jewish communities was through the Holocaust when we learned about World War II. But I had someone with the surname Cohen in my secondary school, but mm. never had a conversation with them about their identity, right? But it's a Jewish surname. Mm. Mm. So for me, when we it, when we engage and consume all of these all this media and these media pundits who are kind of dedicated to creating tension between communities, we form perceptions of each other that aren't always accurate. Because the first time I sat down with a Jewish person, Good friend of mine didn't even know she was Jewish actually, but surname Stern. So I probably should have mm. known. But again, you don't know, right? Sure. The perceptions that I had, I didn't even have any in the beginning. What I realized is this is a community that I've existed side by side by, and I know nothing about them. But if I didn't have those friendship groups and I wasn't exposed to that, the shit that I see in the media would have formed my opinion on these groups. So, you know, you spoke about the art of conversation a bit earlier on. I'm Mm. just going to wrap that up quickly because I don't want to bang on. The art of conversation is so important because we become less reliant on the media and sources to form our opinions on people and communities. Mm. And we're able to form those opinions on ourselves. And that's how we build solidarity. Well, and it's almost like you'd say, question everything, hey, uh, is, the, exactly. is the key. And, and it's been another, amazing, <laughs> plug, plug, it's been plug. another <laughs> amazing episode of Question Everything. Dane, I just love, love episodes like this. We've been all over the place, right? Richie's been an amazing guest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no doubt and no surprise. Um, so much so, I think, Richie, I've, I think there's probably a... A opportunity to continue this conversation. Oh, so, part two is um, coming yeah, someday. We'll soon. Oh, I'd love to, man. Um, or I, I want to hop on one of your things when you tell us where we can find out more of your good stuff. Um, so that listeners know where they can continue the conversation, including myself. Yeah, definitely. I can just fan out a little bit. That, Dane, I'm actually a fan. So I'm up against the man. Likewise, man. Oh, thank you. Yeah, honestly. So um, I'd love to have you on One Extra Talks. And it probably good, to, uh, just to plug again, uh, mm. one of my ideas is to further a conversation around Black and Jewish communities and how we relate to each other and Black and Jewish identity. So when they intersect. So I'll be speaking to both of you, actually. But yeah, let's it's make, one yeah extra, let's, make, let's make that happen. I like yeah, that idea. Definitely, that. man. Um, so it's One Extra Talks, BBC One Extra, every Sunday, 9 to 10 p.m., where we explore the lived realities of Black communities and look at every Everything you can think of through a black lens. What a great set. Guys, you fin- episode's finishing now, so you know what to go and do. Go and listen. Get it on, you can get it on BBC <laughs> Sounds and everything. <laughs> yeah, all of it, BBC Sounds, Spotify. Not to rival you, man. You know what I mean? No, we're you passing, can get on everything, we're passing you. On. We'll be back next week. Go and listen exactly. to Richie now. Don't don't be a dickhead out there, audience. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you put that dickhead energy into the into the world, you are justifying the existence of dickheads, and that's just gonna make for a ideological bukaki. On that bombshell, Richie, thank you. What a mess. Thank you for coming on the show, mate. Thank you. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him on Twitter at DaneBaptweets or Instagram at DaneSnapTiste. Our guest was Richie Brave. 
You can follow Richie on Twitter and Instagram at Richie Brave. The show is produced by me, Howard Cohen. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Howard Cohen. The show is mixed and mastered by Audio Culture. You can follow Audio Culture on Instagram at We Are Audio Culture. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DBQE Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.